there are so many freaking ways to make money with your podcast. I think the easiest thing to do is sponsorship and not in the ways that people talk about right now, because I think that right now it's broken. As a podcaster, you're not just a podcast. You've got a social media following. You've got an entire digital footprint. So you have to count all of that reach and say, okay, this is my potential reach. Welcome to Podcasting Smarter, the podcast for and by podcasters. We interview podcasters for the real scoop on podcasting. Whether you're thinking about starting a podcast or have been podcasting for years, you'll find lots of inspiration, valuable lessons, and tips in our interviews. This podcast is brought to you by Podbean. Please visit podbean.com, the home for podcasters. Hello, podcast friends, and welcome back to Podcasting Smarter. Today's guest teaches podcasters, authors, coaches, and companies how to find their voice online, behind the microphone, on stage, and in any situation. He is also the host of the Social Strategy Podcast. He's an author, social and digital strategist, and inspirational speaker whose insights are based on real-world experience. I met him at Podcast Movement 2016, and I am so happy to welcome my new pod pal, Vernon Ross, to the show. Hi, Vernon. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> Not much. I am, uh, I'm thrilled to be talking to you. I'm a fan of your show, and it's always great to have somebody on the podcast that you've met in person in real life, IRL. So right. thanks, thanks for coming on today. So appreciate it. No, thank you so much for having me. I, I, I'm always uh, eager to be a guest on the show. Nice, nice. Yeah, you, you've got the gift of gab, so this is, this is great. Um, so I want to ask you, how and why did you start podcasting? Oh, gosh. So there's a few stories around <laughs> why I started podcasting, but I think the, the biggest thing is that I wanted, I wanted my, the, the people that I was serving at the time. <clears throat> Sorry. So I wanted the people that I was serving at the time to actually pay attention. I was working with uh, a chiropractor. She's one of my clients, one of the few clients that I had. And I was also working with like um, a lawyer and a dentist. And the problem that I was running into is that they were, they were reading stuff in social media. Um, it was starting to become popular. Gary Vaynerchuk had just wrote crush it. And so he's on a blitz for this book and everybody, you know, is picking it up and reading it and talking about social media and Facebook and what to do. And I tell them to do something and we go over a strategy and then they wouldn't do it, but then they would turn around and quote me what Gary was saying to do. I'm like, that's the exact same thing I just told you. <laughs> but you're paying me to tell you to do this. Why won't you execute on this thing? And so I was in the gym one day, just happened to be listening to um, social media, the social media marketing world podcast. Uh, what is it called? Social media examiner. And um, with Michael Stelzner, and he was actually talking to a local guy, a guy named David Seidman Garland, used to have a show called The Rise to the Top. And he's like, 2013 is the year of the podcast. If you want to reach an audience, you really need to have your own show. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's interesting. I am listening to a podcast. And this is kind of I do kind of take the people on here that he has on here as authorities. And I respect Stelzner because I know that he knows enough to be able to go back and forth with these people and ask some great questions. And I do like talking to people. And I, I did try a podcast a few years ago, but it sucked. So, cause I really didn't know what I wanted to talk about. And I was talking about stuff that I wasn't really passionate about. I was trying to talk about affiliate marketing, which, you know, I'm actually kind of cool with now, but back then it was like, eh, it was just something to do. And I was just doing it on my computer and it was really horrible. And it actually is still on iTunes somewhere, but, um, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I started, you know, I started thinking about it and looking into it and just decided to launch it, set a date. Because I know if I don't set dates, I don't get stuff done and went through the process of researching way too long and spending way too much time and buying stuff I didn't need and finally ended up having to pull the trigger 
and like literally a week before I was supposed to launch and a half hour before my first show, when I had a guest booked, he canceled. Uh, we've all and been there. <laughs> awful. That's awful. Doing it on my own. I listened to, um, my podcast education came from John Lee Dumas, Pat uh-huh. Flynn, uh, Cliff Ravenscraft, and a host of other podcasters just listening to what they were doing and um, trying to making making sure to be original, mm-hmm. but getting the knowledge from listening to those shows and then making a bunch of mistakes in launching my first few episodes. Okay, so you've learned a lot about podcasting from the, these heavy hitters and from now from actually producing lots of podcasts. But what have you learned about yourself in that whole process? Oh, wow. So, so much. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I've learned that um, from feedback that I've gotten, and that's that's really the way that I, I learned. I think you have to be self-aware when you're a podcaster. You have to know what your thing is. Uh, you find so many podcasters that, that don't quite get what their thing is. So what you'll see is you'll see, you know, a lot of the, Hey, I'm going to do a show just like, uh, this show. And they ask the same, almost the same questions in the same format. And I almost fell into that when I first started, I was right. I used to write out all my questions and I go down this list of questions. And then I figured out that I don't like going through list of questions and because I'm just sitting there waiting to ask the next question and it's not really a conversation. So you'll hear in some of the earlier episodes, the conversations don't happen as much. And it only happened a couple of times before I re- you know, figured out, I'm like, oh, I don't like this. Um, but I think self-awareness is, is the biggest thing that I've you know, learned about myself is that, OK, I know what my thing is and it's having conversations with people. It's, you know, it's listening to what they're saying and then digging deeper into their, you know, into their answers. And it's not the yes, but thing that people say it's the, Oh, that's, that's interesting, but I want to get deeper into what your motivation was behind how you got to this place. So my, my thing is digging deeper. Um, I'm a naturally empathetic person. So I try to get to know the person and the motivations behind whatever it is that they're doing which is usually how they ended up getting to the the level of success that they've reached is by digging more into that person and what makes them them instead of trying to dig into the tactic of, you know, how did you do this or how did you get this many followers or how did you make all this money? It's more of what's the story behind what motivates you to do this in the first place. So self-awareness and that my, my gift is talking to people. Nice. Okay. That's, that's great. I love that answer. So I'm thinking back to how you first started podcasting and the motivation there was that you had some clients who were um, taking the advice of people, the same advice that you'd given them, but they were taking it from people that they were um, seeing as authorities. And so you started the podcast thinking it would, it would build some authority for your business. Um, what I didn't ask you is, did it work? It did to, Good. A, to a point. Uh, well, you know what? That's, I don't think that's fair. Actually. I think it's, it's worked well, well more than I thought it ever would, to be honest. Okay. Uh, there's so many opportunities that have come from podcasting that sometimes I, I think about it. I'm like, this is not happening. <laughs> this cannot all be happening because I decided to sit out at my computer and ask people questions over the internet. This is not real. I'm going to wake up at some point in time and realize that this was all just uh, some weird dream because I mean, it's, it is literally like magic. <laughs> sometimes yeah. the stuff that happens. Um, the people that I've met, the um, the opportunities that I've had, I mean, just, it's been insane. Okay, so let's, let's get a little bit more specific. Can you tell us about some of those opportunities so we can get an idea of what it's oh, been yeah. like for you? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, let's see, where do I start? <laughs> I, could start with, I could start with speaking, although I've had some opportunities to speak. Um, I got in the social media game 
early. So, you know, I've got some local influence and people will find me online and read stuff and like, oh, yeah, you're you're a social media influencer, uh, you know, pseudo Internet celebrity uh, air quotes. Not really, <laughs> but You said the word celebrity like it was painful to say <laughs> it was kind of I don't I don't even know how to characterize it. I know some stuff about the Facebooks. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's that's about <laughs> as much as I would characterize it. That's a superpower you know. right there. Right. A little bit, a little bit of stuff. So mm-hmm. I know a little bit of stuff more than the next person. So I'll get asked to, you know, do some stuff and speak and stuff like that before I started the podcast. But after I started the podcast and started getting like real influencers, heavy hitters on the show, people started wondering, how in the hell did you get so-and-so on the show and they're not doing interviews right now? And I'm like, because I asked. And my ex was a good enough reason for them to come on. And they're like, but I don't, you know, Andrew Warner's not get, doing interviews right now. And I'm like, yeah, I know. That's why I asked him because he's not doing interviews right now. But that was how I started my ex. I'm like, hey, I know you're not doing interviews right now, but I'd love to talk to you about this specific thing and not touch on any of the stuff that you've ever talked about. And he's like, oh, yeah, let's do it. And that was how I got Andrew Warner. And that led to other opportunities. But to be a little bit more specific, here recently, over the past, I would say, three years, um, I wrote an article about um, Missouri, because I'm in in St. Louis, Uh and there was this huge thing a few years ago people were talking about, or it was in the news that Missouri was like this food desert in certain areas of the city. And that hit home because growing up, Um, Even though my mother was college educated, you know, black woman, 70s, father died early and I was like five years old. It was a struggle. I mean, we had a house and all this other stuff that we were renting out and, you know, family was entrepreneurs. But the tenants flooded the building. She lost the building, didn't have enough insurance to cover it. And lo and behold, apparently we were homeless and I had no idea. What? How did you not know? Yeah, I was five years old. I I had no idea. Yeah, just clueless. Yeah. Yeah, we were staying with friends. So, uh, well, friends of my mother's. And I'm like, I I didn't know. And, you know, she was able literally by herself to pull herself back together, get us back to where we needed to be, get us in private school. I mean, she did all of this working at, you know, at hotels, as, you know, uh, house cleaning and worked her way back into, you know, gainful employment and put my sister through private school, through private college, put me in private school. That's a whole nother story. But um, (laughs) (laughs) one of the things that sustained us was the food pantries. And because I'm Catholic and we were in the church, she would work the rummage sales and could bring food home from the food pantry at the church. And so a lot of Thanksgivings, I've never shared this before. So a lot of Thanksgivings and Christmases and stuff like that, we would get food from the food pantry. So I knew how important it is for that stuff to be there. And there was a lack of that happening. And so I just wrote an article that was just kind of dumping some of that stuff out on my blog. A professor uh, who runs a program over at the University of Missouri, St. Louis, uh, it's a business program. His wife read the article, thought it was amazing. They brought this guy in from NYU because he used to teach at NYU. He was from St. Louis. They brought him back to St. Louis to teach and run this uh, digital marketing program over at the university because nobody's really doing this in the country the way that he's doing it, you know, teaching social media at a college level for credit, um, bachelor's and master's degree levels. And I had emailed him probably when he first got back, I think it was like two years and I hadn't gotten a reply. She read that, contacted him. He started listening to my podcast and out of the blue, I get an email from him and I know this is a long story, but I'm getting to it. So out of the blue, I get an email from him. He's like, Hey, you want to meet me for coffee? And I'm like, Oh man, this is cool. Finally, I'm going to start interacting with, you know, with this Perry guy. We meet for coffee And literally in the first meeting that we had, their conference was coming up. I hadn't bought a ticket yet. I was going to be buying a ticket. And he goes, hey, would you co-MC this conference? And I'm like, what? 
he's like, yeah, I'd, I'd love for you to co-emcee it. Uh, we're going to have another guy who's like a big you know, local social influencer. He's on the nine network, you know, PBS and has his own, you know, video show and does all this stuff real well known. And he's going to put me on stage with this guy. And I'm like, what? Yes. Yes, I will. And so that was kind of the start of it. From that, I've been given a board position at the university where I'm helping to guide the curriculum, uh, work with students, has, you know, I've been a guest speaker over there several times. And then this past year, I was actually invited to be a professor teaching podcasting to the university um, each semester. So all of that from starting a podcast. Wow. That's, that's an amazing story. I was just thinking as I was sort of unraveling all of these great details that you were sharing about your podcast journey, that if we go back to the story about your mom being a single mom and going through all of those trials and tribulations, I just thought of the word tenacity. And it was the same word I thought about when you were telling me you were contacting these uh, potential guests who weren't doing interviews, yet you didn't allow that to stop you from making the ask. And so I thought about tenacity when you were telling me that story. And then you're, then you tell me the story about your mom. And I was like, whoa, tenacity with a capital T. Um, <laughs> we've gone through all that. So that had to, I mean, she must influence you in so many ways. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. My mom is the only reason I'm here. Literally, yeah. but <laughs> yeah. her her ability to be positive and remain positive and, you know, just to without like any type of wavering at all, believe in me and what I could do and tell me on a daily basis is the reason that I'm I'm the way I am. I mean, it's just, it is just 100% the reason I am the way I am. I mean, she would say every day, you know, you're super smart. You can do anything that you want. You're just lazy. And you need to, you, once you f- decide you want to do it, you'll get it done. You just have to stop being lazy. And I mean, she would say that to me all the time because this is the, is the truth. I, you know, I am, I can be lazy at times when I get complacent. And, you know, that, that, that explains school. <laughs> we all need somebody in our lives that's just that honest with us. Yeah, absolutely. So just absolutely. Tell it like it is. Now, does she listen to your podcast? No, unfortunately, I lost my mom a few years ago. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, no worries. I was 20, 20 or 21, something like that. Okay. Maybe 19. <laughs> I don't remember it. That, that was a hard, hard time in my life. I but bet. Yeah. You know, she it's it's good now. I I can actually talk about it without like falling all apart and you know becoming a inaudible <laughs> sobs and stuff like that because it, it's not it's not a sad thing. She left. Uh, I think she left us in a really good place mm-hmm. as far as um, I guess our our ability to continue to do things. So it's me and my sister. I have an older sister. She's five years older than I am. Oh, wow. Well, your mom sounds like an incredible woman, and uh, I'm so glad that you had her in your life through, uh, I guess, the beginning of adulthood. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, she was amazing. She really was. All right. So you were telling me about like when you first started thinking about a podcast, you took too long. Um, so what was what was your biggest challenge in getting started? I think fear, just being afraid that you were going to screw something up. Um <clears throat> that was the biggest thing for me. I'm like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to, you know, if I'm doing this right and what mixer do I, do I use and how the hell do I do mix minus? <laughs> Why would I do mix minus? And, <laughs> I, mean, I, I get that. I hear, I hear that a lot, you know, people just being afraid to start and uh, yeah. feeling very vulnerable, but you seem so confident on your podcast and you're a, a a public speaker, a professional speaker, how how did you go from being fearful to having enough confidence to do that? That started when I was 15, surprisingly enough. Um, so podcasting has also led to this weird book deal. And I wouldn't say it's weird, but it led to a book deal um, just from meeting people. I actually met a woman at Podcast Movement um, 
who introduced me to a guy, I'll tell the short story, like the super cliff nose version, who introduced me to a guy who introduced me to another person who happened to be an acquisitions editor at my book publisher. And she wanted to hear about this book that I was writing because I hired a book coach because I was tired of not getting it done. Uh huh. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the book coach happened to be, have been a guest on my show. And we just made an amazing connection. She was concerned about my writing and my lack of focus in my writing. So she kept emailing me. And when she started a group coaching program, she invited me to it. I, I bit the bullet. And uh, as you know, doing some business coaching, I, I realized that you cannot be a successful coach without getting coached. And so I went ahead and hired her, uh, got it done. They liked it was like, hey, let's publish this. And so that's kind of that's where that led to. Um, but the 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 one of the stories that I tell in the book, which is kind of why I told that little backstory just now, because I, I am getting to the question because I know people are like, what the hell do you have to do? <laughs> no, this, this is all good. So, yeah, sorry. That's the way the mind works. But um, when I was 15, I got invited to this uh, retreat by my priest. So, as I said, I was Catholic. Um, or I am Catholic, there, there was a retreat, it's a bunch of kids, uh, me and one of the other, actually one of the altar boys, I actually, I was a bad altar boy. I was altar boy by name, but I never really showed up on time enough to church uh, to actually do anything. <laughs> so <laughs> I never really did the mass, but I knew it. Um, he invited me to this retreat, bunch of kids, probably, I think it was like 18 or 19 of us. Uh, uh, all white kids. It's me and this other kid. We're the only two black kids there. And I was like terrified. I've been around white people all my life. It was no big deal. I went to Catholic school. All the nuns were white. All the priests were white. It was no real, you know, I mean, these people were my mentors and people that I looked up to. So it wasn't really a like, oh my God, white people. It was, uh, oh my God, white people my age. <laughs> I don't know what to say to these kids. I was just, I was terrified. But at the, the last day, there was this thing we had to do. We had to act out some type of play. We had to put on a skit. And because I was not the one talking and everything else, they volunteered me to be the talk show host. We decided to do a talk show about the Bible. And I don't know how I got roped into it. We didn't we didn't really prepare, but they kind of just threw me in at the last minute. Like literally, it was like, so who's going to be up, you know, speaking for you guys? And they literally like pushed me up front. And I was like, oh, holy crap. <laughs> and so as I'm walking up to the front of the room, a couple weeks prior, me and a buddy of mine watched Risky Business because they had a bootleg copy of it on v, uh, on VHS tape. And there's a line in there where Joel's friend goes, hey, you know, Joel, sometimes you got to say what the F. And I'm like, hmm, OK, that's that's what this is. And I'm like, OK, who am I going to be up here? I'm going to be a little bit of Tom Cruise. I'm going to be a little bit of uh, just uh, outrageous as I can be talk show host. And so I got up, turned around and just came alive and started waving my hands and yelling and referencing stuff that we had talked about. And they were, they were just literally just sitting there mouths open. Like, who is this kid? This is not the same kid. Wow. <laughs> and they were just like, what the hell? Where was this all weekend? <laughs> and the thing about it was once I got up there and start talking, I'm like, this is, this is what it is. Oh my God, this is life. It was literally like the first time I took a breath. That's what it felt like. And so I tell people, it's like, hold your breath as long as you can, like until you feel like you're about to pass out and then take a breath. Or if you've ever almost drowned and when you get up to the top of the water and you're like, <gasps> That's what it felt like. It was like breathing for the first time when I got up and talked to people. And I'm like, this is it. I should be doing this. What is what is this thing that I'm doing right now? Because this is what I want to do like the rest of my life. And then it, nothing else happened after that until podcasting. 
<laughs> wow. But it did happen. It did come back it did to you. It did happen. It did come back to you. Okay, so tell us a little bit about the book. It's it's um, content that's related to your podcast content. It sort of is. Um, the book would would not be possible if not for the podcast. Um, it's called Master Your Message: The Guide to Finding Your Voice in Any Situation. Because I've had some really weird situations. Um, well, not not that weird, but just interesting situations in my life. And three of the people that contributed to the book were people that have influenced me and kind of been there throughout the journey, uh, either loosely or just kind of helped me along, helped me get to the next phase. Uh, all three were guests on my podcast. Chris Brogan, uh, he's like a multiple New York Times bestselling author, agreed to write a, a short little story for the book. Patrice Washington, uh, she's on the Steve Harvey Morning Show. I met Patrice at a conference um, the financial bloggers conference. And we became really good friends and she's been on the show multiple times. And then this other guy, he's an author out of the UK named Matthew Turner. And he wrote a book called the successful mistake. Uh, it took him almost two years to write it. Uh, it's I think interviews with 151 entrepreneurs and the mistake that helped them become successful. And he actually interviewed me for the book that I, his book that I'm in. And so I was like, you know, I got to interview Matthew and get him to share how he found his voice as an author, because I think he has a, a very unique storytelling um, method. And I've looked at how he tells stories in some of his videos and borrow some of what I've you know seen as far as the way he crafts stories and the way that I want to do that. And I, I refer to his, his work a lot in that. And so he's not well known here in the U S but I think he's pretty well known in the UK, but I, he's just a good friend and really helped me in one of the author breakdowns that I had. I mean, literally like sobbing, crying, like I said, <laughs> for two hours and my wife was worried she was going to have to call people. But he just kind of helped me get through that. He's like, oh, welcome. Now you're now you're an author. You've had a you've almost had a nervous breakdown. So now now you're an author. Welcome to the club. So that's you know, that's kind of how the book came about. And part of the content. I think that answers that question. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now that uh, we know that you have a book called Master Your Message, are there any tips or shortcuts that podcasters can take to master their message? Yes. Start talking. Just start talking. Start talking. Um, believe that you have the right to express your opinion. And that you, you cannot worry about what other people think. And I think that's the biggest thing is that, you know, we all have a message that we want to share. But the problem is, is that there's the judgment factor. Oh, yeah. You worry about what people are going to think and you can't. Um, you can worry about it a little bit just from a take the feedback to improve but you can't let it guide you in not saying what's on your mind, not sharing your thoughts, um, not going for the acts and looking for an interview that you want to do. If you have an interview based podcast or you think you want to interview people, you have to start interviewing people. And one of the ways to do that is you have to start. And I think that's the thing that holds people back from sharing the message to begin with is they're, they're too afraid to start because they're worried about the judgment. What will people think? People are going to think I'm bad. People are going to think I suck. Um, nobody's going to listen. Uh, who would want to listen to me to begin with? So, I mean, there's some mindset work that that has to go on. And so I think for podcasters, the, the first thing that you should do is accept yourself as being worthy enough to get behind a microphone and talk to people. I like that. I like that. And do they need a point of view? It sounds like you do. It sounds like you need a point of view. Yeah, you got to you got to know your stuff. I mean, you you've going back to self-awareness. I don't think you can just get behind the microphone and ramble. I just I just don't. I mean, there's shows out there like that and they suck. I mean, just to be honest, <laughs> in my opinion, um, where, where you don't have any type of structure. Right. I think that that's bad. I think that's just wasting time. Um, now you can find your structure in that if you listen to the feedback of your audience, because no matter what you do, you'll build an audience. It may be a one or two people and they may enter, they may, you know, write in or comment 
about how they don't like your show or how they love it. I mean, there's something out there for everyone. And if you're funny enough and, you know, or you're interesting enough, people will just listen to you ramble. But I think you have to have some structure. I think you have to be good at it. And, you know, you have to be willing to listen or able to listen, able to know who you are enough to not fake it behind the mic. Because I think that comes out as well. Okay, so I know you don't like podcasts that just ramble. I, I'm kind of with you for sure on that one. But what what podcasts are you drawn to? What do you listen to? Oh, well, let's see. I listen to Art of Charm. I think that's a really good um, podcast. Justin uh, or Harbinger? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, Harbinger. Or Jordan. Jordan Harbinger. Jordan Harbinger. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I listen to that one occasionally. Um, let's see. What else? Experts on the Wire, Dan Schur. It's an SEO podcast. He's a he's a Moz associate, uh-huh. and just some really interesting, like techie, brainy stuff on his podcast. So it gets into a lot of like really technical stuff behind SEO and blogging and techniques. He he has one of I think the best technical podcasts out there. Hmm. When you want to learn, you know, how do you rank a site? Go listen to his podcast. And, you know, he, he goes into that with his guests. And it's a really good show. Of course, Mixergy, it's one of the first ones that I started listening to. Um, podcast Junkies, it's a podcast about podcasters. When I want to know about people that I'm thinking about interviewing that might be interesting that are also podcasters, I'll go and listen to Harry's show. And Harry, Duran and I are friends. So I kind of listen to all my friends' podcasts. Um, Side Hustle show with Nick Loper. Great mm-hmm. show. Um, I bounce in and out of the Tim Ferriss show. It's okay. Yep. I'm not crazy about Tim's interview style. Okay. So you, you listen to a lot of uh, podcasts where you're getting um, some, you're learning, but do you have any guilty pleasure podcasts? Unfortunately, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, you know, I was thinking about that. I'm like, you know what? I don't listen to any, uh, like, anything that's not business related, which mm-hmm. is probably not very well balanced. But I guess that's okay. Yeah, you've. I, I'm going to give you a homework assignment to find a guilty pleasure podcast. Uh oh. I, I think everyone needs one because I was, I, I was right. like you. I was all like entrepreneurial, social media. That those are the only podcasts I listened to. Yeah. But after a while, I realized I was I was getting a lot of the same information. And I felt like I was getting overwhelmed with information, and I needed to kind of take a step back. Yeah, you're right. So I, I got some guilty pleasure podcasts that don't have anything to do with business. Well, you know, I, I guess the Nerdist is that's that's about as guilty pleasure as I okay. have. So the Nerdist podcast, I will listen guilty. to it on occasion. Yeah, we need to get you on the, like the Gilmore Guys or something. <laughs> Oh, wow. I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. They're actually a pretty popular podcast. I don't listen to them because I've never watched an episode of the Gilmore Girls, but it's two guys uh, talking about uh, every episode of the Gilmore Girls show, apparently, and they've they've gotten quite a bit of attention for their podcast. <laughs> oh, that's, now, that is that is interesting. I have – well, I take that back. I have listened to a Walking Dead podcast oh. for a while. Okay, me too. Well, okay, good. I, I counted my Walking Dead podcast as a guilty pleasure podcast, so – Right. There you go. You, you pulled one out. <laughs> All right. Everybody wants to know this question. I know it's just kind of a standard question, but in, in what ways have you monetized your podcast? Oh, God. How many, how many ways? <laughs> the monetization question. Oh, everybody wants to know how to get rich podcasting, Vernon. Aren't you going to tell them? I am going to tell you right now. So grab a pen. Okay. I've got it. Because after this, you're going to be rich. I'm writing every word down. <laughs> so uh, there are so many freaking ways to make money with your podcast. I think the easiest thing to do is sponsorship. Um, I actually talk about podcast sponsorship a lot. Uh, I've got a course. I need to redo it because I want to add audio to it and make it a little more, more where people don't have to just go through it and read it. But um, sponsorship is one of the main ways, I think. And not in the ways that people talk about right now, because I think that right now it's broken. Oh. Because as a podcaster, you don't, you're not just a podcast. You've got a social media following. You've got an entire digital footprint. 
entire digital ecosystem that revolves around your podcast, if you're doing it right. If you're not, then maybe you are just a podcast and download numbers. But I have podcast download numbers. I have site visits to my to my website. I've got my social media following. If you do any public speaking at conferences and stuff like that, you have that as well. So you have to count all of that reach and say, okay, this is my potential reach. So sponsor, instead of doing a cost per melee calculation, like, you know, Entrepreneur on Fire episode, you know, was that pretty good? I think yeah, that was pretty that good. Was, that, was, Dennis, wasn't that was good. Plus <laughs> on that. So instead of doing that, and John is wonderful. I, I really do like John, like really like him, consider him a friend, but he is a, the beast. He's the 400, 800, 900 pound gorilla, millions of downloads. You cannot charge $15 per thousand and think that you're going to make a $15,000 sponsorship per episode like John Lee Dumas right. or, like, or like Pat Flynn. But what you can do is depending on your show and what you talk about, you find sponsors and companies that align with your message. That's why you got to know what your message is. That's why you got to be self-aware. That's the whole master your message thing. You got to figure out who you are and what you do. Then <clears throat> align with sponsors that make sense and flat fee. Hey, we have a show. This is our reach. We reach about 250,000 people per episode. We have that reach potential. You don't have to share your download numbers with people that are not familiar with podcasting. Just like you wouldn't share it if you were selling an ad on your website. If somebody wants to buy a banner ad, they're going to say, well, how much is it for your banner ad? Oh, it's a, you know, it's hundred bucks, hundred bucks a month. So flat fee your sponsorship. Say, hey, it's $1,500 per month to advertise on my podcast or we have a $250,000 or not $1,000, 250,000 listener potential reach. So we charge $2,500 per month per sponsor, three month minimum commitment. Let's do that. And you pitch that to local businesses and businesses that would benefit from advertising on your show. It's predictable. They know how much they're going to pay. And you make sure that there is tracking in place so that you can see how effective you are. And then the other side of this, and this is what I mean, I, I teach this, but I give everything away. I don't care. Um, <laughs> you, you add, you buy ads. So you take half of the money that you get for that first month sponsorship or all of it. And you run ads to your offer and depending on or to their offer, hopefully through a custom landing page that you set up with them so that you have your own URL because it validates you more as a podcaster when you have, you know, uh, audible.com slash your show name versus, hey, go and use this promo code. Just make them go through the trouble of setting something up. And if it's a smaller sponsor, they usually have the ability and the flexibility to do that kind of stuff. So you get that set up and you run Facebook ads to that offer so that they get traffic and so that they get conversions. And if you're running traffic and they're not getting conversions after about three weeks of doing that, you need to have a meeting with your sponsor and say, Hey, I've, I've sent ad traffic that should be converting over to the offer and it's not converting. What are you guys doing on that sales page? Are you how what are your normal conversions? Figure it out, work with them to let them know that you're actually trying to get them business and you'll keep that sponsor and you probably will be able to raise your rates. And I mean, that's just one way to monetize it. The other thing is like with Podbean, Podbean offers a marketplace where if you know you enter your download numbers and you can pitch the sponsor on whatever other stuff you have because you have the ability to message the sponsor and you can get a per show um, fee like that. There's affiliates getting affiliates and signing up for affiliate marketing, um, you know, offers things that complement your, your podcast. Um, th I mean, those are just like three of the ways that you can do it, but there's, it, it's not, there's not really a limit. It just really depends on, you know, how creative you get. If you're an author, your podcast can be sponsored by your book. Right. And, 
<laughs> you know, sell your own stuff. You can be your own sponsor. That's right. So do you use all of those um, ways of monetization that you just mentioned for your show? I do with the exception of the book because I haven't done that yet. Okay. And when you were talking about your the, the reach numbers, mm -hmm. are you just straight across adding your social media influence to your downloads to your how are you how are you calculating the reach number yeah i uh, i add all of that together okay and then you said you don't have to show them your downloads but what if they ask for proof of your reach what is it that you give them uh i'll show them social numbers i'll okay. show them social proof of my uh, my social media reach um just like i would not share my email list with them I don't. I don't think that sharing download numbers is always necessary. Ah, oh, okay, okay. I hear you. I hear you. I, I. I think I haven't heard anyone say that before. Yeah, because when you look at it, there's no real way to capture all of the listens that you get. It's so true. Like my husband and I will often on weekends, we go on these things called coffee drives where we get a cup of coffee and we drive around, you know, for a little bit and we listen to podcasts. And I was like. The other day, I was thinking, oh, this is bad for the actual podcast because they should get two downloads for this, but they're only getting one because <laughs> right. we're listening together. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, think about it this way. Um, I'm not sure how it works with, uh, we'll just take Spreaker, for, for instance. Okay. If you're a podcaster and you upload your RSS to Spreaker, to their directory, they pull in your show. And they pull in the actual recording into their server. If you're hosting with another host, like Lipson or yourself hosting, I don't know that your Lipson numbers reflect the Spreaker numbers. I don't know that for sure. I don't I know, know that, that for sure either. Right. I, you know, I know sometimes when listening on a computer, you may get, you may not get the download. I've seen that happen. Although I have been told by Podbean that streams do count as downloads. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm hoping that means if, you know, if you're sending your RSS feed through Spreaker, it's getting right. that hit. Right. But it, at the, uh, the initial hit, what about the replays? Oh yeah. The replays. I don't, I don't know. You know, and everybody else that finds your show through Spreaker that doesn't have that, then they don't have to pull the RSS feed. Right. So it's really hard. But if we're all at least if that's if that's not happening, that's not happening for everybody. So at well, least right. we're on exactly. a, a playing field, I guess. Exactly. Where we're comparing but, apples to apples. Right. But, you know, what you can do is you count your individual numbers on each site, right. which is what I do. And, uh, you know, it, it can become tedious starting to look at trying to look at down numbers and download numbers and figure out where you are, especially if you have a small show. Yeah. And I, you know, I think most people have small shows. And when I say small, I mean, you know, you're under uh, 2000 or so downloads per episode. Oh yeah. I think that's definitely the majority of podcasts for yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But that doesn't mean that you don't have value. No, absolutely not. Absolutely got, not. I had a really interesting conversation with another podcaster um, that runs a sales focused podcast and he's got, he's like, I have, I know I have 1500 dedicated listeners overall. So what he was pitching to the potential sponsor who happened to be a big name sponsor is look, I've got 1500 dedicated people that you advertise your CRM. You're going to get conversions and it's evergreen. And then we went through some of the um, some of the benefits that he could be talking about what he would do with their sponsorship money to drive more sales. And that if they wanted to do some pay for performance over a, a minimum six month period of time, because you can't tell in three months what your actual you know conversion rates are. I don't think you can. Um, that they would be able to see the growth through, you know, a consistent advertising because those shows are evergreen, new people discover them all the time. You know, you're, you're going to constantly get that. So right. a dedicated audience, a small niche dedicated audience is more valuable than a huge audience sure. that doesn't convert. So that's why I tell people, you figure out what you think your show is worth and what it takes to run it. 
and then add a 20 or 30 percent bump to that to make sure you've got enough money to do what it is that you need to do with what okay. you're Okay. Okay. And I just want to make sure I understood you properly from earlier. So you're saying that when you get a sponsor, reinvest that sponsor money into the sponsor. Yes. And, and that is, I'm correct me if I'm wrong, that is because you want the sponsor to to definitely see a return on their investment from the beginning and so that they will be a long-term sponsor? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So the way I do it is if you're you're running a business, the first money you make, you don't go pay your mortgage with. I mean, if you're if you're if you're making money in your business, you don't immediately take the profit out, you reinvest it into your business. So all you're doing is reinvesting into your podcast by making sure that you're getting conversions for your sponsor. And a lot of the time, sponsors will want you to set up an affiliate program with them. So they're going to pay you as a, you know, for a sponsorship, and they may also pay you on the back end as an affiliate. So if they're doing that, it, it only benefits you to drive traffic right. to that offer. And I think, you know, one of the mistakes that podcasters make, and I've made this mistake, and I'm actually in the process of uh, doing some enhancements, is that they don't treat sponsors and they don't treat the programs that they promote um, like products that they believe in. It's just something that they promote. It's like, oh, hey, this is brought to you by such and such. Well, if it's a service, maybe you should spend some time telling people why and not in just the pre-roll or or mid or post roll, but you know maybe a post and an episode dedicated to why you think people should use the service or a walkthrough on how to use the service right. and what they're doing, so that you can add some value for the sponsor and for your audience because you're you're building trust with that audience. Say, hey, I'm recommending this because it's good, not because they're paying me. So you're definitely. Um you're definitely in the camp where you you feel like you should have a deeper relationship with your sponsor in the sense that you want to use the products that you are presenting for sponsorship. You want to believe in the products so that your audience trusts you and and what you're what you're suggesting they buy. Yeah, absolutely. That's I think that's that's smart. I, I know a lot of people have, you know, audible ads and all of that, but you don't feel I don't feel as compelled to to purchase or download anything from Audible because they've recommended it. It's only because I hear right. them everywhere and I know about them. Right. Yeah, I mean, I I use Audible I have for years. Um but I couldn't have them as a sponsor in the podcast because there's a whole thing with Missouri and taxes and Amazon not doing business in, in Missouri. So I, I never had Audible as a sponsor, even though they wanted to be. Um, but I did have lynda.com and I've used Lynda for years. Okay. Okay. So is your podcast making the money that you want it to make? Or do you have a, 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 a goal, a revenue goal that you're still trying to reach? Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your honesty. No, I'm a I'm a I'm a broke podcaster just like everybody else. It makes a little bit of money here and there. Sure. Um, it's not sustainable, not currently. Uh, there are some things I'm doing to change that, but quite honestly, uh, part of it is not pressing for the podcast to be the main revenue source. Mm -hmm. It's uh it's an enhancement to what I do. So it's, it's like, uh, you know, does a podcast need to sustain me? Not necessarily, but I kind of want it to because I really want it to be one of the main things that I do. Uh, but speaking and consulting real world stuff is what I really want the business to be built on. So the podcast is another arm of that. It's another stream of income. And if I can get it to the point where it's like super profitable, that's great. But right now, I mean, it makes enough off and on to pay for hosting and to pay for, uh, well, actually, hosting is free now because Podbean does it as a sponsor, um, but to pay for all of the other costs around what I'm doing. So, yeah, I mean, right now it's okay, but no, it's definitely not where I need it to be. Okay. That's just a matter of time. It's just a matter I of time, so. Vernon. We're rooting for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. So you've been in the podcasting game for a while 
do you have any predictions for the future of podcasting? Yeah, it's changing. Yeah. It is changing and more people are getting in the game. Um, but the other thing that I think podcasters need to be aware of and not be afraid of is competition. Um, I, I honestly don't feel like I have any competition in podcasting because nobody else is me. And I think you should look at it like that from a, from that perspective, there are going to be a lot of people that get in, but there are also going to be a lot of people that fail. Yes. So just keep doing what you're doing and keep talking about what you're talking about. And if you do it consistently enough and long enough, you'll outlast all the, you know, flash in the pan. Oh, I'm going to go start a podcast. It's and so true. It's all about, it really is all about outlasting. I really believe that. I know there is, um, I won't give the name of it probably because I can't remember it, but there was a, a guy locally in the DC area and he he got some notoriety because he crowdfunded his podcast and mm-hmm. it was a political based podcast and he raised a lot of money, like more money than he was going for. So he got a lot of a lot of cover, uh, news coverage for that. And he came out strong with this podcast, but I'm telling you in less than six months, he shut it down and made it clear he wasn't bringing it back. And I thought, Oh my gosh, all these people that gave you that money. What are they mad? I'd be mad. Um, So, and he had resources like most of us are starting in our, you know, dining rooms and basements and, uh, and garages. And, you know, I lasted, I'm, I'm going on my seventh year in a couple of weeks with my other podcast. So I agree with you. And I can't tell you every, um, Every couple of months, I have to go through in um, my podcast subscription list and delete yeah. tons that I've subscribed to that are just no longer producing. And and these are real, at least they appear to be really polished shows, like nice graphics and beautiful websites. And, um, you know, they look really serious, like they're going to make it, but they don't. Yeah. That's crazy, right? Yeah. This, 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 uh, I'm trying not to curse, but this stuff is hard. It is hard. <laughs> it's it's easy and really hard at the same time. Yeah, you got to love it. You really do. You, really do. you do. You really I mean, do. you have to love it. And you'll find out really quickly whether you love it or whether you don't. And most of the time, people, they start it. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to podcast. I'm going to talk about this. And then they were like, oh, my God, this is actual work. Yeah, it's work. It's work. <laughs> It sucks sometimes. You don't want to edit. You don't want to write. Uh, it is hard. And, you know, there's a thing. Oh, well, you're going through pod fade. Don't listen to any of that mess. Uh, it, it gets difficult, just like life. And life is difficult. And you have to stick with your show. I think that's the biggest thing is you just have to stick with it. Whether you don't produce an episode like you're supposed to or not, stick with it consistently enough to outlast your, your, your lows. Cause I think every show goes through highs and lows. It does. It's, it's certainly been a roller coaster for me. And the one thing that's helped me is actually getting out of my dining room where I record and meeting some people that listen to the show. Sometimes this has happened accidentally. Sometimes it's been orchestrated, but you know, there've been times when I felt like, okay, it's been a good run, Jen, time to, time to hang up the microphone. And then a listener will say something that, you know, just means so much, you know, because they listened to an episode and it resonated with them at a time where they needed something to resonate with them. And that is, you know, better than any, any sponsorship money, as far as I'm concerned, just to know that you're making a difference in somebody's life. That's, that's, uh, that just makes me delirious with happiness. Right. Absolutely. You know, what's funny is, uh, so I'm at the mall. There's a shoeshine guy I've been going to for years. Super smart guy. He's like going to start his own podcast. Um, partly because of my podcast, you know, he's, he loves it. Listen to it all the time. But back in, um, whatever month it was, I was in San Diego, uh, financial bloggers conference. And I was thinking, you know what? I'm going to shut this down. I think I'm going to not do this podcast anymore. going to talk about something more general. I'm not going to do it because I hadn't recorded an episode in a while. And I have a couple sitting in the can that I still have not published. And I'm like, what is going on? You know, I love podcasting, but I, I think I'm not in love with this show anymore. It's just going through one of those things. Mm-hmm. And I told him about it. And he goes, what are you talking about? 
He's like, you can't do this right now. You've got a book coming out. Why do you want to start a new show? You already have people that like to listen to you. You can talk about anything you want to talk about. Ignore the name of the show. And if you need to, just change it. But don't stop doing the show that you do. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) I guess I just needed to hear it. Sometimes you just need to hear it. Yeah. Because it's a solitary sport for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What are you looking forward to with your podcast? Do you have anything coming up that's exciting? You know, I'm I'm looking forward to um, being, even as long as I've been doing it, being more consistent Mm -hmm. with the type of guests that I have. And the show may be evolving. I may be changing the show. I'm actually considering starting another show, but that may be about maybe six months down the road for a totally different unrelated brand. Um, The most exciting thing for me is actually not for my show. It's for a show that I'm starting for the university. So that's going to be cool. Um, They've entrusted me with starting their Umsel business podcast. So that's going to be, that's going to be fun. Another opportunity uh, for you from podcast. Right, exactly. Now, you know, producing their podcast and maybe doing some white label podcasts. And I don't know if I really want to get into that because mm-hmm. that's a whole nother beast. But um, for my show, just having some, some different guests. Yeah. I'm looking at doing some different things with the show. Um, yeah, that's, that's really what it is. But to, to go back to, you know, where I see the future podcast going, there's some other services that are coming out there that are free that are i think changing the game a little bit for podcasting i think people should watch out for i don't know if i can mention them here but yeah absolutely so there was one that i actually just did i just interviewed a uh a a guy one of the founders of this company called bumpers app yeah i listened to that episode yeah that that is interesting to me especially when they talk about monetization and being able to actually track how many people are listening to the ad on your particular show. Yeah. That to me is exciting. They haven't done it yet. So I don't know if it will even ever happen, but it's exciting. Yeah. There's a lot of exciting stuff going on. So many businesses popping up around podcasting. Right. Right. So for instance, monetization of podcasting, good friend of mine, uh, well actually Harry, Harry Duran, podcast junkies has a company that he started called Fullcast, where he creates the entire podcast for you. All you are is the talent. You record your episode, you send it to him, and they do everything for you. And it's a higher end show. Oh, that so, sounds nice. Uh, service. I think it's like a couple grand a month. Oh. Yeah. So he deals with like CEOs and stuff like that. People that don't care about paying that kind of yeah, money. It's white glove. Right. It's it, exactly what it is. All around podcasting. Smart. Right. So I mean, it's it, there's so many opportunities to do things with podcasting. So, you know, don't feel like you're, oh my God, I'm too late in the game. I can't start one. No, start one because the, the ones that are there now are not going to be there. Trust me. You know, usually 10 episodes in is all people do before yeah. they, <laughs> and then, you know, you're, you'll, you'll be fine. But uh, yeah, I, I'm excited about what I, I see happening in podcasting. So, you know, services like anchor or, you know, it's mm-hmm. a two minute, little rant about whatever you want to talk about. I've seen people do two minute podcasts where they do uh, like video game wrap ups of everything that's going on in the video game industry. And they just like read the news and do recaps and then you can comment back and forth on it. So really interesting stuff. There's Zcast. Zcast is another free service that, you know, you have the ability to, you know, do things with and upload a a podcast. I, I, I have a tendency to not want to put, serious eggs in those baskets. Right. So I, I caution podcasters against, oh, I can do it for free. Yeah, well, there's a cost to everything. That's so true. Yeah. I mean, don't put your, I mean, protect your content as much as possible. Don't just put okay. it anywhere. You know, there's a lot of things that are coming out that are shiny and new and very like tempting, but you know, you almost have to sit back and wait and see how these businesses develop because uh, too many of them don't last very long. Right. Uh, blab. Yes. Hello, Blab. I knew somebody that put I, all their content on Blab and was so yeah. like a Blab, Blab fanatic. And, you know, it was sad when right. 
that happened to him. So, what? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, so, how important do you think, since we met at uh, Podcast Movement 2016, in your opinion, how important is it for pot for serious podcasters, the ones that aren't going to fade anytime soon? How important is it for them to attend podcast conferences? Absolutely vital. Um, if you don't, if you if you only go to one or two, pick one or two and go. Um, I think that you have to be around the community of uh, around a community of people that understand what you're going through. Yeah, because your family usually won't, your friends usually won't. Nope. nope. <laughs> you know, I have more podcasters that follow me on Facebook now than I do people I went to high school with. Uh, <laughs> Almost all my friends are podcasters now. So it's it's one of those things where, you know, if you're trying to sell something, maybe podcasters aren't going to buy it from you. I mean, that's just the bottom line truth of it all. But you need to be around your tribe of people that get what you're doing. And you always have to constantly be improving on your skill set. And there's so many things that you can learn from networking at the conferences and depending on the content that's going to be taught, the content that's going to be taught at the podcast. So, you know, at the, at the uh, conferences, so how to monetize, how to actually build your show, maybe some editing secrets, um, guest, you know, how to get guests, how you're, you know, how to actually obtain those interviews tactics with, you know, how to, how to do that stuff or not necessarily tactics, but strategies behind, you know, guest acquisition and booking and if you should use a booking agents and what services you should be paying for, what you services you could be paying for, you know, just workflow in general, you're, you will find out so much stuff from those in-person interactions and it's just, it's just invaluable. So those big influencers, I wouldn't have had Pat Flynn on the show if I had not attended a conference Mm -hmm. actually that was not even related to podcasting. I met Pat Flynn at the Financial Bloggers Conference because they, he was speaking there. Oh. And I did it as a media partner, which is another thing that the podcast has enabled me to do because I run a, you know, at the time I was mostly PR focused business. I contacted the conference organizer about being a media partner locally here because they were holding the conference here and did not have a local media sponsor. So I was like, hey, would you, would you like a media partner? I'll blog about it and put it up and you know, I'm a board member of the social media club, so we'll hold an event for you guys. And so we did that. And oh, by the way, since I'm a media partner, can I have access to these people? Pat Flynn, Jamie Tardy, Derek Halperin, Gene Chatsky. Oh, yeah, sure. So I had slots for each one of those people to interview on my show. Nice. I mean, podcasting definitely leads to opportunity, but you are a master at finding your own opportunities, I have to say. So impressive. And I'm really glad you brought up the fact that you went to a a different pot, a different conference that still benefited your sort of podcasting world because I sort of realized the benefit of that this past year. I went to a blogging conference in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. I was invited to speak about how bloggers should consider podcasting. And it was one of the, I think, yeah, one of my first real speaking gigs at like a real conference. And it really opened my eyes to the value of podcasters attending non-podcast centric conferences as well. No, absolutely. Um, it's, it's, I think the, the saying is it's, it's better to be a, uh, a big fish in a small pond. Yeah, I'll be, a, I'll be a big fish in a small pond. <laughs> right. You know, you'll, um, you'll convert a lot more people at a conference that they don't know anything about podcasting, yeah. but they find out how cool it is and how much it can help them grow their business. Not necessarily. Uh, and you can always go with the angle of, Hey, you don't necessarily need to start one. You could be a guest. Yeah. And it was great because I was talking about, you know, stuff that, you know, stuff that you already know, a lot of like the everybody in the podcasting world kind of already knows, but it was new information to them. So they were so receptive to it and so curious and so interested in yeah. it. And I was like, oh, you didn't already know this? Like, I, I felt like what I knew, everybody knew, but, it, it, you know, it's it's life is like that. You think that what you know is not valuable, but it's valuable to somebody. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's the bubble. Yeah, it is a bubble. We live in a little bubble. Okay, Vernon, I have a couple of uh, fun questions if you're up for it. 
I'm always up for okay. fun questions. If there was a podcast about your life, Vernon Ross, what would it be called? Holy crap, how did that happen? Oh my God. Holy crap. How did that happen? And I would listen to that podcast because that is a very <laughs> compelling title. <laughs> I love it. That might be your next podcast. <laughs> it might be, actually. <laughs> okay. And if you could choose somebody, anybody living or dead, to have a podcast, who would it be? Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ. It, it might be Jesus Christ. I don't I don't know. Um, oh, he gets so many downloads. Right? Um, <laughs> it would, that would compliment your holy crap. How did that happen? Right. And then Jesus Christ would come on right after you and tell you. Right. Exactly. Podcasting with JC. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man. Living or dead? Who? Quite honestly, I think that and it's it's weird because I, I don't like to talk politics. Huh? But I would like to interview um probably forty-four. <laughs> Barack, I'd love to interview Barack Obama. Oh. Uh, well you're not interviewing him. You this is somebody he's gonna have his own podcast. Oh, wait a minute. Ask the question again. Maybe okay, I'm so you're gonna choose anybody, living or dead, to have their own podcast. Oh, to have their own podcast. Yeah, that you, that's not doesn't have one now, but maybe they should. Oh, definitely Barack Obama. Then. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that would be interesting in so many different ways. Yeah, we got to talking to somebody, um, I think, on this podcast about the the historical implications of that would happen if there if podcasting was around like a long time ago, like what if Hitler had a podcast? This would be, this would not right. be a good thing. Like <laughs> maybe, right. maybe it's good that it didn't come around until just right. very recently. Absolutely. So I think that's kind of an answer that a lot of people would give. Oh, I'd like to have Barack Obama. But you know, one I think would probably be more interesting is um, the first Indians that encountered Americans or the oh. British or whoever came to America. Yes. I'd love to know if they were able to have a podcast, what that would be like to watch their world changing around them. Oh, gosh. Well, just so you know, I ask this question on every episode, and nobody has said Jesus, Barack Obama, or the first Native Americans. Oh, wow. Well, cool. So those are all original original <laughs> answers, as is the title of your personal podcast about your life. <laughs> Vernon, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for making us all smarter podcasters. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I, you know, I can talk. So sorry if we went a little long. No, I loved every second of it. Thank you so much. All right, cool. Thanks for joining us for Podcasting Smarter. You can check our show notes at podcast.podbean.com for links and details. Please like our podcast, leave your comments, and help us spread the word to other podcasters so we can bring you more great episodes with podcasting tips and inspiration from fellow podcasters. If you want to connect with other podcasters or get interviewed on this podcast, please join our Podcasting Smarter Facebook group. We look forward to welcoming you to the community. Happy podcasting!